Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to cookbook writers primarily and people in the food space. And I have been a fan of Amy Thielen's writing since the Midwest um, Kitchen Cookbook. That's what it's called, right, Amy? The New Midwestern Table. Okay, I'm yeah. totally drawing a blank. Close and enough, it, really. It, I mean, I get you. It is. Um, it was one of my first introductions to you, and I I picked up the cookbook right away, and then I was so impressed and excited that you were a Minnesota person. Mm-hmm. And then you, that was in 2013, and then you had the memoir uh, in 2017, which was A Girl and Her Knife. Give a girl a knife. Also, Why am I doing this? Love. It's okay. I like that you did it twice. It's I've done it twice. And now, okay, 2022, you okay, have now, company. Okay, and I will get that one right because I'm actually holding the book. <laughs> it's an easier title, to be fair. Well, and the book is kind of a cool shape. It's yeah. kind of like a different feeling cookbooky shape. So I liked that. The you mean company- because it's a little bit larger and more square? Yeah, it feels uh-huh. a little bit different and I liked it. Yeah. Um, and I noticed right away, just when I held it, I was like, oh, I like this new size. It also has a beautiful cover. Thank you. It does. Um, so one of the things I noticed right away when I started looking through the book is the timing because you, I mean, I'm a little geeked out because you're one of my favorite actual cookbook writers. And also the memoir that you wrote was so beautiful and I I really felt intrigued by your story and also pulled in about like being in New York and thinking you're having like this food life and then being called back to the Midwest and sort of reshuffling your priorities about maybe what you thought was what you wanted wasn't what you ended up wanting because I think that happens to people. It does. I mean, I never really expected myself to go back. In fact, the only thing I wanted was to leave town when I was 17. Um, so I never saw that, that boomerang effect coming, but it did. And it's been good. You know, this is where I, so I'm back like outside of my hometown, which was small and couldn't, I couldn't wait to get out of it. But um, this is where I can grow stuff and it's good for my cooking. And your cooking, I feel like, is is evolved or is evolving. I want to hear your, what you mean. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> well, from your first book, and maybe, okay, your first book felt very, like, Midwestern, but also kind of home cookie. Like, I felt like I could do the recipes and they weren't super hard. And this book feels a little more like you're leaning more into your chef skills and that really? you're taking okay. a little more risks on some of the recipes. There were a few things that I thought were kind of surprising um, that I'll tell you about as we go. But yeah, mm. just a little more still rustic and still easy and fitting with the theme of that. You don't have to wait for like a giant fancy dinner party to have company over. But also the recipes were, they had unexpected twists. Um, That's great to hear. I, I like that. Um. I mean, I think the degree of difficulty here, because it's a menu cookbook, so in a in a certain menu, you're going to have one thing that you spend more time on, and then you're going to have some, like, easy bangers, like, that just kind of 
you know, vegetable sides that are super simple, just like boiled and buttered and garlicky butter, green beans and things like that. So I really did try to mix it up. But I think, you know, after a certain amount of time as a cookbook author, I get a lot of feedback, you know, and I start to, first of all, I want to do what interests me. And secondly, I am responding a bit to people who follow me, you know what I mean? And I have a real range, but I I have a lot of people who, I have to assume that my readers know something, you know, I have some really, really good cooks who follow me and I'm, you know, I'm lucky. I'm grateful for that. So some of those recipes are, you know, with those people in mind. And then others are like really a lot more, you know, elementary and like, this is how you make a menu. This is how you, you know, boil this. This is, you know, like kind of basic stuff too. So uh, I'm hoping that it like, it has this like wide range of people who find something in it. You might be the only person that could get me inspired to try strudel. That strudel recipe is great. I'm I want I want you to try it and then I want you I want your feedback on that. I worked on that recipe for the dough for years. Like yeah. literally. Well, and your books are roughly about 4 to 5 years apart. As I look back, is that, was that intentional or is that how long it takes you as a creative person to kind of birth it? Well, this one took a little longer than it should have. Um, But the first two books, let's see, first one was 13, 2013, and then 2017. So that's four years. I would say three years is probably, I would really wish I could do every three years more, three or four, but this one took almost six probably because of the pandemic uh, mostly. And then there was a delay at the very end of six months that pushed it out another, you know, ultimately almost like a year. So, yeah. So, so, I mean, I don't want to be this slow, but let's be honest. I am. I'm slow. It just is life too. You know, you're, you're doing your life. Um, Yeah. You know, um, we've been driving him to his school, which is a kind of far away. And so it was two hours in the car every day. And I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of pokey. Okay. Okay. So you drive your kid two hours to school. Well, now he's driving this year. So there's less of that, but yes, I have been for years. Mm -hmm. Just because it's a better opportunity and a better school for him. Yeah. You know, like the closest school to us, we are kind of out there. So the closest school is half an hour. Okay. So then it was like we wanted to get him into a different school, and then that's almost an hour yeah. away. So I mean, the bus—we wouldn't even like put him on the bus because it would. The buses are slow, and it would take even longer. It's just yeah. like, oh, you know, no matter what, it's a lot of driving. That's all. I love it though. Sometimes driving's cathartic. Do you listen to podcasts, or do you listen to books, or do you just drive and listen to music? All of the above, and talk to friends mostly. That's what I do too. I talk on the phone in the car. It's my favorite thing to do. I used to call. I was like, it was like 830. There's Amy. I'm like, who are my friends that I can sit and gab with at this hour? At 830. Yeah. I used to call my mom and then she got sick and sadly she died. And I still, every time I get in the car and I have like extra time, I think about like, oh, who can I call? And like, I still want to call her even after all this time. Yeah, it was kind of a good time. No, I talked to my mom a lot too. Um, When I look at your book, there are some 
Um, so the, the strudel recipe is one that, like I said, I felt like it looked like challenging, but I felt like maybe I could do it because you talked about how you kept doing it. It was kind of cathartic for you. It felt like meditation. Is yeah. I think what I said, because, you know, in the winter, it's like, do I do this huge to-do list or do I just kind of like <laughs> throw it all off and just like pull strudel? I like you know? it. Um, it, it it's fun. You have a recipe that I can't believe I haven't seen it before because it yeah. makes total sense. The deviled eggs that you turn into like a dip. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is brilliant. And I was like looking at it and everyone can like when I talk about like on the Instagram, like this was kind of a whipped ricotta thing. And then there was like the whipped yogurt thing. And then there was the hummus. And yeah, there's been a trend for like those soft, you know, a puree on a small platter and then garnishes. Yeah. And you did that with deviled eggs, which is so brilliant. How did you think of it? I don't even know how I thought of it, but I think I was like blitzing up some egg yolks for something that I wanted like a soft, fluffy egg yolk texture. And then I just went too far and it just got all smooth. And I was like, oh, that looks like hummus. And then I just, I thought, well, what am I going to do with this? So I just like added more back into it and like seasoned it up. And I'm like, this is good. And then I put it out for an appetizer. And I remember it was, I think my sister-in-law, um, she was there for that one for the first time. And she's like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is incredible. Yeah. She's like, I ate so much hummus. And I'm like, it's not hummus, it's deviled egg dip, <laughs> you know, but it looks kind of like hummus, but it. It's it's really delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to making that. I donated a cocktail party for 10 for yeah. a charity and it's coming up. And, you know, I said, okay, does anybody have like any allergies? And I have a nut allergy, a dairy allergy and a gluten allergy. I'm like, wow, with 10 people, I really hit the trifecta here. So I was thinking maybe I would try something with the deviled egg dip. And also you have an appetizer for a cast yeah. iron shrimp. That That's has a, the green olives. Yeah. Yeah. That should, yeah, there's no nuts in that. Yeah. yeah. It has some mathematically, some of these, you know, sometimes you cook for people and it's just mathematically difficult, you know? It's like, I mean, that's why that's why the menu, you know, you like add more side dishes and people, if there's enough to choose from, you know, people can kind of throw them in. Um, also, I was looking and you, did you take all your pictures or who took your pictures? Cause they're awesome. Oh, no, I don't take those pictures. No, my pictures are amazing. It's, they're, they're by Kristen Teig, who um, is a photographer that my editor at Norton paired me with sort of. And, oh, I just loved her. She's just, she takes so many risks creatively and it's just up for anything. And, oh my gosh, just the nicest person. So humble, so talented and humble. Do you shoot like I've seen and read about how cookbook authors shoot with a professional photographer, you know, where it's like you schedule a shoot and you make a bunch of stuff and then you get the lifestyle scenes. Do you do that all in one swoop? No. And in the two cookbooks I've done, we've done it the same way. We've done really two or three shoots um, so that you can capture all the different seasonality, Yeah, you know, because I want people to comment like that first week of August so we can get tomatoes, eggplant, beautiful zucchini. Um, in Minnesota, Northern Minnesota, we can still have peas. <laughs> um, if I plant them right, beans, you know, all this stuff is like, 
so beautiful and you can't get that from the grocery store and get the same effect. And then we always do a winter shoot too. So you capture that cozy feeling and all the snow and swash and all that stuff. Yeah. And you've got um, a lot of pictures of people too and like action doing things. With yeah, your real, parties, real parties that, um, you know, my real friends came to and thank God they're good sports. I mean, <laughs> Um, yeah, they look like they're good sports. You've got the tomato pie, raspberry, or a rhubarb pie. One of the things that I wanted to ask you that's kind of a strange question, but you use bacon fat to um, roast cauliflower. How do you store your bacon fat? Like, do you store it underneath the counter in a coffee can like our moms did? Or, I mean, is that I, I don't put it under the sink in a coffee can. I've never understood that. Why? Why? I don't know. Um, I keep it on the counter. I pour the bacon fat into little ramekins, you yep. know? And then, I mean, I just use it enough. And if I feel like, you know, it keeps at room temperature, but I will sometimes put it in the fridge. And lately, my spoiled dog, I have been, you know, scraping up the bacon fat. I give it to her because she likes a little bit of bacon fat on her kibble. I you know. give that to my dog too. It's good for them. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I should be saving this, but I love you so much. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, can we talk, you had one of the first, I guess in my mind, I felt like it was one of the first shows on the Food Network that felt less produced and like real. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of more of a trend now or has been as of late where you really are in someone's real kitchen and I know that there's obviously production values, but did you enjoy that experience? And would you do that again if the opportunity arose? Yeah, I mean, I sort of enjoyed the experience. I, you know, I when I think back on it, it's kind of a blur. Um, it came on so quick. I mean, it just like it happened. You know, I'm not somebody who spent all of these years trying to like do my platform and try to get on TV. In fact, I I didn't. It wasn't even my idea. It was Random House's idea and my you know, there was a, uh, Peter Gathers is my producer there and he, you know, saw my book and it's just like, this is what we want to do. So by the time that he approached me with it, it was already like, I'm producing it. Lydia Bastianich is producing it. We're kind of come to your house. What do you think? And I mean, there's nothing left to do, but say yes at that point. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, what? it was a blast. It was super fun. I enjoyed it. It, it definitely is a blur though. I don't know if I remember it was it was hectic and it was, it was really hard. weird it was odd to walk around my small town the town i grew up in and to be on tv yeah i'm sure you know i'm sure um what i loved though about that was that like all of these people who i sort of didn't really know but i knew they all had to make eye contact with me and at first i was like really weirded out by it you know i'm like ah but then I was just like, oh, they just want that, you know, like, I see you, you see me, this is real life, this is not the box. And so then I was just like, hi, you know, oh, yeah, Mr. Larison, gotcha. You know, um, yep. you know, I got you, got you, got That's you, funny. you know, just kind of like, <laughs> and, and then it was just, that was all they needed, you know, and, and it was really comfortable because people are just like, oh, look at her, she's not wearing makeup, she's like walking around yeah. in her sweatpants, you know. Was um was Lydia on set at all? Because I mean, I would think 
as someone who, I mean, she's like the grand dame of Italian cooking. How intimidating. Lydia Bastianich is lovely and she was an incredible producer. You know, she's just like, she came the first day and she's, there she is. And she's like, you just do, you teach, just do what you do. Don't even think about it. And I have to, (laughs) I was in, you know, we'd turned my laundry room into like kind of my dressing room and the guy was doing my makeup in there. And and the first thing she said to me, this is kind of crazy, but the first thing she said to me is she goes, oh, because I was like trying to adjust my blouse. And I was like trying to keep it closed because it was kind of popping open. And she's like, this is good. You got the meatballs. <laughs> Which she meant, you know, got yeah. boobs, you got boobs, you got yeah. meatballs. That's what, yeah, she got it. That's so that funny. was pretty hilarious. That was a good icebreaker. I thought I had to laugh. Yeah. I think about that with clothes when I do TV stuff, because I have had that experience where that button is gaping open and you can see like flesh and it's very awkward and weird for everyone. And then I'm like, okay. And there's Giada, like always looking like a million bucks in her very tight fitted shirts. Well, and she always wears the same shirt because that yeah. shirt doesn't gape open. You notice, you know, and that's what you learn after like a decade of being on TV or even after a year you, you learn how to dress yourself for, you know, all those kind of weird things. And like, you know, your apron's not like caught up on one side of you. And like, yeah. you know, it's just, they're little things that, I mean, it kind of drives you nuts. Um, I'm, I'm really actually glad wearing... to not be doing that right now. You know, that part yeah. of it, I, I didn't love like that, like being a woman on TV. You know what I mean? That, I don't know. It was uncomfortable in that sense, you yeah. know? I'm wearing, uh, I have figured out a shirt that I can wear underneath an apron. I've bought it in seven colors. That's all (laughs) I'm going to do. And I'm just going to wear the same shirt. I'm like, if that's what Giada does, that's what Ina Garten does. Like she just wears her white shirt usually or a blue shirt. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. So, um, when you first saw your galley, like your, this book put together, what does that feel like for you? Well, this book company, I mean, it it was very hard one. It took me a long time to do, to write this book. So I was relieved, you know, I was really happy to see it actually inform. Um, the book changed a lot as I was writing it. And in the pandemic, I wrote a lot of it during the pandemic. So I'm writing about having people over when ironically we cannot have anybody over. Yeah. And it changed the book, you know, because it made, it made things, it gave things more weight. It gave everything I was writing about more weight. And I found myself getting kind of emotional and then like pulling back and then, you know, going for it. And then, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was emotional. It's funny because I feel that. And I, yeah, think, yeah because- not too much, hopefully. <laughs> no, in a way that feels very personal to you. And in a way that I was appreciating about you and about it, because I think that the first book that you had before the memoir was sort of like easy, breezy, Midwesterny. But then the memoir, we learned so much more about you and you were a more complex person and not just this TV cooking lady face. So all of that kind of came together for me actually in this book. And maybe that's what I meant when I was like, it's not as 
it's more in depth. It's not as easy as the first one. It feels more like you really are in your real life, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, that you have to know that that first book that I did was kind of like a project. It was like, I'm just going to write this anthology of like Midwestern food and, you know, put all my twists and spins on it after being, a, you know, fine dining line cook and all that stuff. So that was kind of more of a, I didn't even really see myself in that book, you know, but I, I, was, trying to, I was trying to keep myself out of it. Like, I'm like, pipe down with all these personal stories, man. It's not about you. But then it was like, it just, the TV thing happened and all of that kind of grew. Um, so there are personal stories in that book. And then of course the memoirs, like changing lanes, you're really writing about yourself. And, but I was trying to do more like a, you know, the arc and the narrative arc of like, almost like a literary memoir where. It felt like Ruth Reichel's. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it really did. Every voice is different. You know, every voice is me. But with every book, the voice is slightly different. And this book, the latest, <laughs> my joke is that this is my crabby grandma voice. <laughs> it's not crabby, but there's a lot of like, oh, don't do that. I've done that. Don't make that mistake. I Don't make my mistakes. You know, like there's a lot of talking about cooking and, um, you know, just a lot of explanation about visual cues and like sound cues. And instead of what I've realized is that, you know, recipes, I like to dial them in. So they're, you know, as tight as they can be, but they're by nature imprecise because all the ingredients are natural. So there is natural variance, right? Yeah. And so I've found that the way for people to have the most success is if I'm going to explain and talk about, it's not about how many minutes you're roasting it. It's what it looks like. Yeah. And you do do that. You talk about like, yeah. this is how it should look. Or if it looks like this, give it more time. I think that's why I felt like I could do the streusel or strudel because you can I was like, oh, okay. I think, I don't know. I just read the whole story and I was like, oh, I think I actually could do this. It's going to be great. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. It's I'm going to do it. The pastis du quercy actually. So it's it's um, a strudel, but it's based on a French regional dessert and it's coiled. Uh, it's filled with like, there's not a lot of filling. It's mostly pastry, a little bit of filling of like booze soaked apples and they're macerated in, you know, and then, then you roll it up into a big coil and you coil it, you know, almost like a traditional Greek spanakopita, you know, like That's a, what it looks like on the top. Yeah. yeah. And then you bake it until it's like, all the layers are very crisp inside. And then when you slice it, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. You have a whole Thanksgiving menu too, that felt really Midwestern, but not, which I liked because it had twists on things that I hadn't really seen in a Thanksgiving preview before. So what, I was excited what, about what that. What stood out to you there? Um, the appetizer. And I can't even, it was something I had not heard of before. Um, not a, it was the livers. Hold on. I'll find it. And then you no, also, I, remember. <laughs> I just went past your, um, Thielen family Christmas. I thought that was sweet too. No, no, thank you. Amy, I'm afraid to write about my family Christmases. Cause I think if I do, I'll just be like, oh my God, they were so dysfunctional. Cause my family Christmases were like Jamie Lee Curtis and the bear. <laughs> Just, you know, these like total disasters. 
I don't, I haven't gotten to season two yet. I don't know. Oh. What that is, but, you know, if you read the Christmas part, it's, I'm talking about my parents' divorce. So it's not like I'm making it all sweet, even though it ends up being kind of sweet. It's just about the traditions that we each took away and how those developed, you know? Okay. Um, it was the Pate Grand Mirror. Pate Grand Mirror. Well, that's a very classic French pate that I got obsessed with, you know, perfecting. And so a lot of these holiday things are, they are kind of classic. I I really wanted to drill down into the classics. Um, I love to the picture. I've just passed it of you with the Vitamix (laughs) and making, uh, I guess, what would you have been making? Cause it's green, the honeydew and cucumber salad made to be with the cilantro lime dressing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I love that picture because I did something similar and then um, the top blew off because I was oh. making soup and I hadn't depressurized it and I had green soup all over my kitchen. Was it hot soup? Yeah. Stuff? Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. That so happens that all of us once. Like, there. Um, all right. Well, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the cookbook because we're going to talk to you on Weekly Dish and I just... I don't know. I'm a huge fan and I really didn't know what to expect from this book from you after the memoir. And it is everything that like I loved about you as a person that felt like those all those th- things came together and this feels really like you. Thanks. That's means a lot. I mean, I've always appreciated your support from the, you know, 2013. Oh. Uh, do you remember when you came uh, to the radio station and we toured your son around the TV station? I do. Yes. So cute and so little. It's so fun to be on. I, I love being on radio too. It's so fun. Oh gosh. I'm going to, cause I think I've told you this before. Stephanie is finally starting to take a little more vacation time because her son is older and he's at college. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some fill in time. So I'll connect back up Only with you. Yeah. And you can do it there. from your house. So it's good. Well, you know, I love to talk on the phone, so I like basically it. Basically, the same thing. <laughs> uh, the book is Company. It's recipes, menu, and advice by Amy Thielen. The subtitle is "The Radically Casual Art of Cooking for Others." I feel like it's just after coming out of COVID, where we were all so independent and living sort of these solitary lives within our family unit, and then we had two years. It took two years to have like what I call the hot girl summers, where we were just like. Ah! And now I feel like we're kind of getting all the good parts of COVID, the reflections, the thinking about what we want in our lives, the way we want to live our lives intentionally moving forward. Because there were some lessons and some good things that came out of it, but you had to get past the trauma and come out first, right? I think we're so changed. Everyone's changed. Yeah. I mean, it's taken, it's, it takes, I realize about me that it takes me a while to understand things, you know? um in process and so I also feel yes that I feel that way too that what I see forward going forward for having people over or just entertaining is like more sustainable you know I like doing it on the regular you know it's not like something you have to work up to and stress out about and all of that it's about taking that time also for us the cooks you know, yeah. because that's what, for me, it's like relaxing to 
stand at the stove and start cooking at like 2 30 3 o'clock whatever clear everything off and that's what I'm doing I'm just cooking for people then they're gonna be there in four hours you know or three yeah. hours whatever um so that's what that's the timeline of this book like the narration or what time zone we are in inside it is before people get there you know it's I, like yeah me I really cooking, felt that you know when when people show up, you're on your, you know, I'm not gonna talk about your how you set your table or I mean, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I I'm think- an expert on that. I but I do love to cook, you know. And it's kind of like a self, it's kind of a it's kind of a self thing too, when you're cooking for other people, you know? Yeah, you're giving them your gift, your gift of yourself, gift of your time, gift of your talents. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I wish people would entertain more. I'm, I like entertaining. Yeah. We grew up in a house where if we were entertaining, it was a huge deal. Cause you had to clean the house for a week first before you could even, and then it was like these elaborate and my poor mom would just, by the time the event happened, she'd be exhausted and completely crabby. Because she, you know, it's trying to be aspirational. And I do think that the, you know, the, the pandemic really did shift that for us all. Because it made um, Zoom and all of these things, all this technology, it made us more vulnerable and revealed our living spaces in a way that had never really done, been done before. Yeah, um, I think that's true. You know, and it just made, I don't know, it just, yeah, it it's like, it's okay if this background is a mess, you yeah. know? Absolutely. I don't care. You care? Nobody cared. No. You found out. Nobody cared. Nope. And nobody cares if, you know, there's some pajama pants in your bathroom. And the whole wearing of makeup is like, I could care less now. I wear TV makeup, but at mm. home or just running, like, I do not care about makeup anymore. I discovered my that. headband hair. You know, I love headbands. It keeps it off my face, you know? Yeah. It's, um, that's me. I love it. Well, thanks for your time. And again, I look forward. We'll talk to you a couple of weeks for Weekly Dish, but people should pick up the book. It's a great book for holiday and a great book to give to others to encourage them to gather with you more, right? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, it is company. Uh, thank thanks, you Amy. So much. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Sounds great. Bye.